Welcome to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge. Well, folks, I hope you're sitting down for this one uh, because I think this one's another heater. We just keep them pouring into your eardrums. We have Miss Blaine Arthur, the Secretary of Agriculture in Oklahoma, full of knowledge, really, really awesome to talk to. Uh, it was kind of cool because we uh, this was kind of the most trouble we've had with trying to get connected to a listener. <laughs> also, right. shout out to Maddie Caldwell for hooking this whole deal up. Um, but she is a government official, however, it's a little hard to get our platform to her. Like we usually just send a link. Well, that link was blocked by all of her business or her government issued devices. So we had to do a conference call. So what you're going to hear is Corey in his truck on his phone, her at her office on her phone, and then me here in the studio in the mic. So I will sound clear, but we all just kind of put it on speakerphone and did it the best we can. You actually can hear it pretty well. It's just not what you're used to. Again, we're doing the best we can with what we got. So Corey, I don't know about you, but I think this one was killer. Oh, absolutely. And if anybody's ever tried to break into the White House before, they'll understand it's probably just a little bit hard to get in. So you have to bear with us. And if you don't like it, I don't care because this is a great episode. And first female guest on the podcast. We've had quite a few questions for that. Other than our friend at Judge to Win. And of course, Devin King. Oh, well, yes, uh, obviously. But solo. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, No. Great stuff here on this episode. Uh, speaking of great stuff, ladies and gentlemen, we talk about it all the time. Walton Webcasting is the place to be if you're going to watch shows and not be there. Uh-huh. Or if you're just lazy and sitting back at your pens and you'd rather just watch the show from there to see what yeah. your class is coming up, you can do that too. The other thing is too, is you got to check out stockcenter.tv. Real cool stuff they have over there. I mean, on the road with Greg. Are you kidding me? I just oh. saw uh, this this past week. Greg is now in the air. So in the air with Greg. I mean, guys flying to Texas. What? Doing great stuff. Uh, I don't know how he got his camera past TSA because I can hardly get a toothbrush in. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. Yeah. So uh, you got to yeah. subscribe, folks. Got to subscribe. subscribe. Absolutely. Be a subscriber. Cool shows coming up this fall. Stay in the know. Walt Webcasting. We've been some busy beavers. I'm going to pat ourselves on the back there. uh, Busy beavers. Busy beavers. (laughs) Because what you're going to hear is a bunch of people who decided to jump on board and advertise on our platform. So these people are awesome. You'll hear it throughout this episode. But before we get too far, we have another title sponsor. That's right. Did you just say title? I did say title. And they're Mm. big time Mm. because our friends at showpig.com and Show Cattle Connection are the real deal. So what we're going to, we don't want this to get too confusing. Obviously, two different platforms to sell your livestock, two different species. So we're going to kind of alternate back and forth. They're under one umbrella company, so which makes that really nice. Obviously, the top of the line, the best way to sell your pigs and cattle, they both have really awesome teams to help you get that set up. Show Cattle Connection has some industry leaders that they're going to help you get your cattle marketed in the best way possible. Obviously, showpig.com is the best high traffic area to get your show pig sold. We're working with them uh, side by side to do a lot of awesome things here in the future. One of which 
is we are putting full faith into them to build a brand new website for you boys at Stock Talk. Mm. Super freaking pumped up about that. So not only do we have our great friends at Walton, we now have our great friends at showpig.com and show cattle connection. Oh man. Yeah. Online buying is where it's at, you know, nowadays. Now we all do appreciate, you know, the bid boards and the the phone bids and all that stuff. But if you want to get your livestock marketed in front of the largest audience possible, the World Wide Web is the place to do it. And those two platforms certainly are the place to do it on. Oh, there's no doubt. Well, Cor, I don't know if you're prepared or not, but we have a guest you need to introduce. Oh, here we go. You know, I've gotten kind of average at this, but I'm not going to be average this time. We got Blaine Arthur. You've already said it. You've seen it in the title. You know what she is. You know who she is. You should. And if you don't, you will. Blaine Arthur is the first female secretary of ag for the state of Oklahoma. She's a show mom. Her husband owns Lucky Strike Cattle Company down there in Oklahoma. She is one smart cookie. And if you want some in-depth knowledge of what it takes to be a good show parent, you better listen in here. And if you want to hear me and Trevor talk about how sucky Poland's are, we will do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. We don't talk about how sucky they are. But she does take a shot at the Poland's towards the end of the episode. You're going to have to listen to it. Ladies and gentlemen... Miss Blaine Arthur. Well, folks, uh, this has been one that we've been looking forward to. It sounds like we say that a lot, Corey, but to be honest with you, uh, we wouldn't be talking to these awesome people if it wasn't for the platform we're on right now. So today we have Miss Blaine Arthur, um, and she is the Secretary of Agriculture there in Oklahoma. So Blaine, thank you so much for taking time out of your incredibly busy schedule to jump on Stock Talk Podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here, and I certainly appreciate the invitation. You betcha. Well, Blaine, speaking of speaking of your busy schedule, I mean, it took it took a little time to work through here. You, you had to get an assistant to help set things up, and <laughs> so uh, now we're we're pumped. We're well, I I appreciate that. I never, uh, you know, once upon a time, uh, I always thought, you know, I'd try to set up meetings with folks and, you know, you'd feel like you had to go two weeks out on the calendar. And I thought, how could somebody be possibly so busy? Um, but now I, I have a little better understanding for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was kind of cool. I mean, you, we just talked about your assistant, uh, Candy. It was awesome to work with. And we tried to do our normal uh, routine. As folks listening, you can probably hear the audio may be a little different. Um, the uh, the problem we had was the uh, government-issued uh, device, as we were trying to get a hold of, had some firewalls set up, which I understand. So uh, we just had to use the conference call, and it's going to work fine, I think, because the content's really what matters as long as people can hear. So Hey, I tell you what, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I stated that you're the Secretary of Agriculture there in Oklahoma. So what's your story leading up to this time and maybe a little bit about yourself? Certainly. Uh, originally from Oklahoma, I would say I'm a very typical ag kid. I uh, did the 4-H and FFA route growing up uh, about 45 minutes southwest of Oklahoma City. Uh, family has been involved in production agriculture, very Oklahoma wheat cattle. Uh, grew up showing horses when I 
I was old enough to be in ag. I started showing cattle, and so uh, that opened uh, my eyes to this another world that I didn't know um, existed. Had some great ag teachers uh, that helped me uh, learn a lot, and I attribute a lot of my success now in my professional career to the time that I spent in FFA uh, there in Chickasha, Oklahoma. Went to school at Oklahoma State University, uh, the best university um, in uh, the United States, I would say, <laughs> and got a. Oh, I'm a now. You better watch out. I just just had to had to throw that in while I had a chance. You're just um, the other then, OSU in my eyes. We're the real OSU up here at Ohio State. Well, I, I had heard the Ohio State, so I had to get <laughs> just a little bit uh, for oh, Oklahoma shoot. State. And then we were 
uh, very fortunate uh, that our uh, son, who is old enough to show, uh, we started him out in the uh, Charlotte Heifer side of things, and he has been uh, fortunate uh, in uh, the show ring, but we've had a lot of help from a lot of folks, and then our daughter will be old enough to show next year, so she's kind of chomping at the bit because she has watched older brother quite a bit, so she's, she's ready to dive off into the show world as well. That's awesome. So, so Blaine, I want to dive into your show career a little bit. You know, it sounds like maybe you got started in high school. Um, and if that's not right, then correct me. But, you know, started through the FFA program. So, um, you know, who were some of those people that kind of helped you get started? And, and you know, what was your show career like starting in Oklahoma? Just because there's, there's some folks, a lot of folks that listen to us from the Midwest, um, maybe they don't understand the experience of showing through an FFA program. So maybe walk us through a little bit about that and, and then, uh, you know, maybe tell us how much free reign you get with the, with the cattle from your husband too. <laughs> uh, absolutely. It's a very unique experience for me because we, uh, my, I have two sisters and we grew up showing horses. Um, and so when we got into our ag program here in Oklahoma in eighth grade, our ag teacher said, well, if you um, know horses, you know, you can do the cattle side of things and certainly had a lot more kids in the chapter who were showing cattle. Uh, so at that time, we we're very fortunate and it's very, I think, indicative of the livestock industry and how good people are. But there was a physician in town um, who raised shorthorn cattle and, uh, you know, said, well, come out, we've got some things that will probably, some heifers that will work for your uh, price range and kind of get your feet wet and decide if you really like it uh, or not. And uh, gave us some good guidance. And then our ag teachers uh, certainly were um, helpful in that route as well. But for coming from a more equine background and then starting into the cattle side of things, it was very um nice to see uh the how everyone was so welcoming uh to someone who had not you know i had not done that certainly uh until the eighth grade and my family had not uh, been in the show cattle side of things my parents had not and we had a lot of people that helped us i learned a lot uh what i like to tell a lot of the young adults that i visit with is i had uh quality animals you know i had heifers that maybe would win their class at junior nationals um so certainly relatively competitive but i also say no one was ever worried when i showed up uh at the show you know no one was like oh there's a lady we gotta beat that was never never the case but i still took everything from the show program you know i loved showing and i found other avenues uh where I had a, a greater opportunity to compete. I did a lot of showmanship classes because you didn't have to have the best heifer uh, to That's win right. in showmanship. And uh, if you ask my husband about who, uh, we both came from the same county. So uh, if you ask my husband who won more showmanship classes, it was not him uh, <laughs> when we were competing against each other. Uh, I like to, like to uh, rub that in every now and again. Uh, but I also found, certainly, I love the Junior National program uh, in all the breeds because when I went to Junior Nationals, I certainly exhibited my animals and, and was there and worked as hard as I could with the quality of heifers that I had. But I also did the speech contest and the photography contest and all the 
other opportunities that there are there through that junior program. And so that's where I really found um, a place to fit in. I was from the uh, Shorthorn. We have the Shorthorn Lassie Queen, uh, which is very similar to the other queen programs and the other breeds. Um, I was Oklahoma's Lassie Queen and actually was the National Shorthorn Lassie Queen, which my kids find great humor in looking at those photos. <laughs> uh, so for someone who didn't uh, have a, a real strength in the show cattle background, uh, lots of doors were open for me to find a way to find opportunity and be competitive and make this network of friends um, through the show cattle world. And I always like to tell kids, you know, I, I didn't, not I didn't miss out on anything because I never had a grand champion animal you know I I had a wonderful experience and learned a lot um, and enjoyed the competition and found places um, where I could be successful now uh, to your earlier question as to how much say so I get um, in regards to our cattle operation uh, that would be very limited um, (laughs) as far as uh, selection of animals or breeding decisions. Now, I'll always throw in my two cents, um, but a lot of times my husband will bring home a project, certainly for our kids, and say, you know, this is a heifer that we're going to show, and I kind of go, oh, really? Okay. (laughs) It is. Um, So I I leave those decisions uh, certainly up to him, and so far he seems to have done a pretty good job with most of those decisions. So I I just uh, help more with the, um, I can dump feed just as good as anybody and uh, rinse and dry and help the kids with all that part of it. So I, I find a lane uh, that works for me. Well, yeah, I think well, that. You might get to pick him out, but you'll sure uh, help him get him shown right. That's right. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think this parlays into a, another question that we had down the line there is, you're obviously a, a very busy person with your professional life, but obviously, uh, and secondly, you're you're also a, a good mother and husband as well. How do you balance your busy schedule along with going to some of these shows with your kids just, sh- just starting in the show industry? And uh, what would you tell others maybe how you balance out that personal life with your professional life? You know, that can be uh, probably the most challenging part of my job. And uh, Jared, my husband and I certainly visited a lot uh, when I accepted this position about how we would make that work. uh, Because um, even though that's what he does full time, uh, sometimes a lot of his time is dedicated to our customers at a show um, or he's traveling a lot. And I have a part of making sure that things happen at home. Uh, So I think a a big thing is uh, the priorities, and I've talked to a lot of other uh, females uh, in the ag industry uh, who I have a lot of respect for and who have raised their children and had professional careers and managed to do all of those things. So I think it is certainly prioritizing uh, and making tough decisions. I'm not always good at saying no uh, when I need to do something for work, so it's trying to juggle that along with... um, what the kids have going on, Uh, but I also, when uh, I have the chance, I block off time and say, okay, we've got, these are, this Tulsa State Fair date, so, uh, you know, we mentioned my assistant earlier, and I tell her you can't schedule anything on these days, because I'm just not going to do work stuff, I'm going to be a show mom that day, so sometimes it's taking the work hat off and putting 
the show mom hat on, and sometimes those cross over a little bit, uh, but it's lots of juggling, but I, I certainly want to um, show my kids that you can, um, if you choose to, you can have a professional career, and uh, you can also be supportive of your kids, but it's lots of planning and lots of prioritizing, uh, and then sometimes you just have to make tough decisions uh, to maybe miss a work event that you'd really like to be at, or you tell the kids, I, I can't be at this, but I'll be at the next one, and they certainly are good at understanding that, and some days there's just not enough hours in the day, but I think anyone who is in the ag sector totally understands that, whether they have a uh, off-farm job or not. Uh, ag just is uh, lots of long hours, but we all love it, and that's why we do it. Yeah, that's, that's extremely valuable, I think, especially for for some of our, our women listeners, just, just to be... Um, just to hear that, you know, it's okay to have a, a job in town and still be active as a show mom and, and do all the things that you need to do or want to do to advance your career, you know, no matter what it's in. So uh, that's something that I thought was interesting. And, and another thing, um, you know, that we'd like to talk about, and we've talked about this a couple different times on the show. We've had uh, several messages and people just asking us, um, you know, to get some more uh, female guests on, and obviously you're the first. So uh, one of the things that we wanted to, to discuss, and there seems to be, and luckily we work in an industry um, that today we don't see as much of this, but, you know, when you were appointed Secretary of Ag uh, for Oklahoma, you know, the first woman Secretary of Ag in that state, what is, you know, what, what are some things maybe that you saw or, or did you, hear of any uh, feedback just because uh, of your gender and then, um, you know, what were some of those things that maybe you had to battle through or, or, you know, just put yourself out there in the position you're in? Well, I will tell you, I it, it was a very interesting experience for me. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm one of three uh, daughters, and I think ag folks will know in agriculture there's not necessarily guys' work and gals' work. There's just work. Uh, so whoever it is needs to get it done. So I had, uh, you know, never really thought about necessarily being um, a female in any of the positions that I had had or the work that I had done. But when I was uh, selected by the governor for this job, what was probably the most interesting thing initially is they set up a lot of uh, interview opportunities for me. And the first four interviews that I had, the folks that I was interviewing with, they said, well, what about your kids? And I just, I thought, well, what do you mean, what about my kids? Uh, and I thought to myself as well, if I was a 37-year-old male with a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old, would you ever ask me that question? And probably not uh, is the answer. And it, it just yeah. kind of surprised me because I thought, well, do you think I just forgot that I had kids when I took this position? Right. Um, I, I, I thought it was interesting because... Uh, you know, when Jared and I visited about me doing this, that our children are certainly a huge piece of that and how that would impact their lives on a daily basis. And uh, I, I also, uh, one very interesting story, I had a, I was speaking uh, to a group, uh, it was probably the second week of work, and 
uh, in this capacity. And I had a gentleman come up to me and uh, introduced himself and said, well, I, you know, I just want you to know that you're going to have a really hard time in this position. We've, it's a challenging position, you know, running the agency, all these other things that I do. Uh, we have a lot of regulatory things that the agency is responsible for. And he looked at me and he said, well, no, he said, you're going to have a hard time because you're a woman. Mm. And, you know, I, I looked at him and I said, sir, you realize it's 2019, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh my it is not. But uh, to me, I think it was probably important to hear that uh, because I, I think I've been very fortunate uh, to uh, be around folks, be raised around folks, the, all of those that I've worked with before that never, that was never an issue. I mean, it never came up. Being a female was never um, a consideration necessarily. But I thought, well, we still have some people that kind of think about that, which, you know, I think his intent probably was to discourage me. But more than anything, that just kind of lit a fire in me to say, well, I'll show you I can do a great job and I can still be a mom and I can still be a good spouse and I can still help with our cattle operation at home and I can do good things for ag. Uh, so it, it, it wasn't discouraging to me. It was more of a, well, I'll just work that much harder. Um, so it, it has been interesting because a lot of folks that I would have never anticipated uh, would have made that an issue, uh, certainly have, in, in particular, and this will be the last example um, of this, in being selected for this, the governor's staff certainly, uh, you know, reaches out to references and reaches out to people in the industry, um, and one of those individuals uh, said, well, I, I think she'll do a great job, but I really wish you would pick a guy instead. Wow. <laughs> so it's... Well, to me, it's interesting because I think in the ag world, we for so long have seen um, these women who have been pillar of their operations. And certainly in the livestock world, we see women who uh, know all the genetics and help make all the breeding decisions and work right alongside with their husbands and their sons and all of, you know, their help. So, I don't really feel like sometimes in the ag world, it doesn't, you know, if we see um, a mom or a female, you know, leading the calf down the aisle or on the wash rack or fitting or whatever it might be, for us, it's not a thing. Do you know what I mean? We're right. like, yeah, okay, everybody yeah. works hard to get things done. So and it, uh, it, it has been, it's been interesting. And, too, I think it has uh, made me push even harder to do the very best job that I can do. Um, to show uh, that, you know, it, it shouldn't matter if it's a guy or a gal in any position. Whomever it is can do a great job. Yeah, and you were also appointed by the governor of Oklahoma to do this job. So that's not only his opinion. I'm sure there was a backing by by many that knew you would do a good job. So that's kind of cool, and that's a testament, uh, you know, to your success up until this point and then thereafter is, you know, although you have doubters, there's always going to be somebody that doubts you. Just kind of use that as your motivation instead of discouragement. That's uh, that's always interesting. You know, people just kind of get a little narrow-minded and, um, you know, they don't take a step back and take the 30,000-foot view and say, look, this is what she's done so far. And this is where we're headed. So I think it's cool that you were appointed. You didn't just, it didn't just fall in your lap, per se. It, it has been a, I've been very, very blessed. 
um, in, in a whole lot of ways. A lot of people who have opened a lot of doors for me um, over my tenure uh, in a professional capacity and then those who have been extremely supportive uh, of me as well and certainly those who voiced their support uh, to the governor and his staff for me to be here. So I give a lot of credit uh, to um, those people that uh, have been supportive um, initially and continue uh, to help me in this position. It certainly takes a team um, and a good support, net support network to be successful. Right. Blaine, you were going down a little bit of a path uh, that I, I kind of wanted to segue into a little bit, uh, you know, with the fact of, you know, there are very, very talented women out there that do maybe what some men don't think is normal. You know, they make breeding decisions, they run cattle operations, they go and fit and feed, and they know the nutritional side of, of what it takes to be competitive in the show ring. Um, and at times I think that there's a lot of people out there that may not realize, you know, just how many talented women there are in the industry. And, and so I think from that standpoint, you know, some of the women in our business get a little discouraged by that. Uh, what would be something that you would tell those those uh, those young young gals and maybe even some of the the older women in, in this industry too, of uh, just maybe how how they need to approach things um, and maybe kind of not let let the let the negativity or the stigma of being a woman in the show stock business eat at them. Well, I think certainly uh, the harder you work, um, ultimately the more you will be recognized um, and just keeping your head down and doing the right thing, making the right decisions. Um, I think it's uh, certainly best to, I, I personally uh, don't love some, you know, there's some gals who kind of wear that as a chip on their shoulder, you know, that they are a woman and mm. so that should be different. I, I think when we see, you know, we've got some tremendous uh, female evaluators uh, that we see out in the ring, um, you know, to come to mind, somebody like Deb Core, who is incredibly respected um, as an evaluator and in the um, cattle side of things in the show world. And um, so I think looking at folks who uh, have modeled uh, a wonderful, have been a wonderful model uh, and follow that path. And, and I think as we see uh, more women, um, either if it's in uh, the ring as a judge or if it's helping um, run some of the shows um, at the national level that we have here, I think we see more and more of that. So for those uh, young ladies who are looking for their spot in ag, my best encouragement to them is just to continue to work hard because you will be uh, recognized and uh, will be respected uh, for what you do uh, and for your talent, but also to never frame yourself um, as a female. Just frame yourself as a good um, evaluator if you're somebody that uh, wants to be on, you know, the more open show breeding side of things that you learn those genetics and that you can have those conversations because I think it's interesting sometimes too that if you uh, I, I always like having conversations with the show moms because you can if it's on the steer side of things and you can walk up to a show mom and say what's your kid's steer and they'll be like well he's a BDR out of this kind of cow and da, 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 and you're like okay <laughs> you know what I mean like mom, mom right, knows what's right. going on yeah um, so there's certainly so much offer and there's so many of those moms who are have even if they didn't come uh, from the 
show world or even cattle world, whatever it might be, they get engaged and they learn the lingo and they do their homework and study. And uh, there's certainly uh, a lot of respect uh, for people who do the hard work and become knowledgeable um, about the industry. Oh, there's no doubt. And, and yeah, that's, that's just be a, be a good steward of the industry. It doesn't matter your gender or we just had Brandon Callis on. You said you listened to there. doesn't matter your race either. Just a uh, good stockman or good stockmen or good stock people, I guess I should say. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new sponsor for the podcast. Oh Another yeah. new one, Trev. So we pause this show, not for an interruption, but for a little education, ladies and gentlemen, fleece performance engineering has come on as a sponsor of our show. And if anybody's out there that has ever towed or hauled a trailer in their life, you probably should listen up. If you have a diesel truck, you know how important it is for that thing to be reliable. The guys over at fleece performance test their products like we use them. So, you know they can stand up to the harshness that towing long miles down to a road or to a fairgrounds could can get because we've all heard the horror stories of people's engines blowing up on them. Oh yeah, just having bad luck. We don't like that. So no. they have a complete lineup of race proven products, everything from turbochargers and cylinder heads to lift pumps and injection pumps. Visit them at Fleece Performance. Dot com. That's F-L-E-E-C-E-P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E, fleeceperformance.com, or at their new service and manufacturing facility in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indy on, I, uh, on 174. So listen, ladies and gentlemen, Fleece Performance, welcome to the show. We're pumped to have you. If you got a diesel truck, look them up. They can get your products wherever you are in the country. Visit thatfleeceperformance.com. Back to the show. Another avenue we wanted to take is there's no doubt in your position, uh, you have a, a lot of opinions and, and ways that the agriculture is moving. So what are some of those biggest issues that you've noticed in the most recent years in agriculture and how do you plan on kind of attacking them? Well, it, it's certainly a tough time, a challenging time in agriculture. Uh, when we look just at the producer side of things, commodity prices have been tough the past couple of years. And when we look at international trade uh, pieces of that, it's, it's a challenging time for our producers. And uh, one thing that I, I think continues to kind of loom on us um, in agriculture is over-regulation um, of the industry. And that doesn't matter if you're raising wheat or soybeans or corn or in the livestock sector. Uh, regulation can be certainly very, very expensive, and over-regulation can be incredibly challenging for people to be profitable in the industry, and that kind of ties into um, just the lack of knowledge of agriculture in general. So that's from a consumer side of things, but also from a government and regulatory side of things. You know, I, I interface certainly a lot more on the uh, government and regulatory issues on a pretty daily basis people making decisions for all of those of us who need to make a living in ag, but they don't even know which end of the cow does the eating, then we have a little bit of a problem. So we, we have a big challenge ahead of us uh, to educate 
the public, and there's only about 2% of us in production ag. I know that's a number that gets thrown around a lot, but 100% of us eat every day. And so we've got to educate the other 98%. Um, and certainly the show industry is a great way for us to start that education. Uh, but as policy decisions are made uh, by those people who live in urban areas and are unfamiliar with production agriculture, that directly impacts us. And, you know, that, that ag education piece and then the over-regulation um, that's kind of a train that's hard to slow down, and I know a lot of us are doing things to try to um, turn that tide a little bit, but it, it can, I, I believe that will continue to be kind of the, the biggest challenge for us in agriculture is just uh, people who are unfamiliar with what we do, the products that we produce, um, and we can pick any topic from uh, fake meat to GMOs to gluten-free, um, and education is something we all need to do a much better job of. Totally agree. Um, so, you know, Blaine, we, you, you mentioned earlier that you wear many hats and in your role. And speaking of wearing many hats, we're going to jump into a little bit of a segment here we like to call Topics from a Hat. How about that? So, <laughs> that segued really well. Honestly, that was, awesome. that was pretty terrible. But you know what? Our friends at Fierce Threads is our second sponsor here for Topics from a Hat. The only hat that we use is from Fierce Threads. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to put your business success at the forefront with high-quality screen printing, embroidery, uh, they do everything. I mean, whether you're talking shirts, t-shirts, hats, uh, hoodies, koozies, uh, any kind of promotional items, uh, we use Fierce Threads, and you guys should too. So, question number one, topic number one, uh, comes from Brooke on Instagram. So, Blaine, Brooke asked us, uh, or, or said that she's currently in college trying to get the best job possible right after graduation. What are some of the ways to stand out at a job fair or during an interview? Well, uh, my couple of things uh, would be my suggestions. Number one, as many internships and diversity of internships as college students can do, I think that helps you tremendously when you can be at a job fair and say, here are all of these groups that I have interned with. I think that goes a long way with recruiters. And a lot of it um, are things that put most of us in the ag world who've been through the 4-H and FFA program uh, kind of ahead of everyone else. And that's, you know, showing up like uh, you're ready to that job fair um, with a suit on and looking the way that you need to, but also that personal communication and that interaction. And I, that's why I love uh, the 4-H and FFA programs because our kids, know how to shake somebody's hand, they know how to look you in the eye, they know how to handle public speaking opportunities, and so in being there at the job fair, you know, all three of us could probably sit and watch kids come through a job fair and pick out the ones that are ag kids. You yeah. Know, they just kind of set themselves apart, and so I, I really encourage uh, college students and young adults to do a variety of internships. Certainly that's good for your resume and good for recruiters, and you learn what kind of job you like, and showing up in a suit, inappropriate uh, attire from your head to your toes, um, and looking the way that you need to look, and 
uh, just presenting yourself um, well from a uh, public speaking kind of standpoint. We, there's a lot of kids anymore that forget how to talk to people. All they ever use is their phone uh, to communicate. And so we in the ag world, I think, certainly have a leg up on everyone uh, in an interview type process. Oh, I would totally agree. Yeah, I would second, uh, you know, something else. People always say it's not what you know, it's who you know. Um, and another, I think another piece of being successful in a, in a job interview or trying to get the best job out of school is, you know, you've got to utilize your, your connections. And if you haven't built up a, a network um, worthy of that, you know, reach out and find some people that are industry influencers and leaders and that have done it and just have conversations with those people. You never know uh, who's going to open a door for you. And, and you know, if you know somebody uh, that knows you're interested in a certain career path or something like that, you know, they can certainly help you get in front of the right people. I think that's a valuable asset that I think people maybe overlook sometimes. Yeah, and another thing about the internships, too, is you're kind of, it's I like to call them job trials. You know, you're not locked into that job for life. It's a test of what you like, and and I think what you said about trying different ones is absolutely crucial. You know, just because you're a livestock kid, uh, maybe specifically cattle, you know, reach out and try to do other things, rather it be in horticulture or maybe swine production, just to kind of learn all assets of the, the industry before you actually get into the working field. I think that's that's awesome advice that you, you listed there. So we have another... Blaine, are you with us? Yes, yep, sure okay. am. We have another topic uh, that we have a message on Facebook from Katie. She's actually an FFA advisor. I should have looked to see what chapter, but uh, we'll, we'll keep that a secret for now. Um, but she's always looking for new ways to gain memberships in her chapter, um, and she was dying to get a guest on here that maybe could share some ideas uh, that they would have about this subject, about gaining memberships in FFA. Well, I, I love this question because um, I here in Oklahoma, I think we get a lot of uh, what we would consider non-traditional students into the FFA program. We have a tremendously strong FFA program here in Oklahoma, and our um, ag teachers do a great job of recruiting students. I think one thing to think about um, is certainly ag is the part of FFA that I love the very most, but there's so many leadership development, public speaking opportunities for young adults through the FFA program. And, um, you know, I, th I hear a lot of kids say, well, why would I be an ag? I don't know any, you know, I don't live on a farm. I don't have anywhere to keep animals. Why would I be in the program? Um, and, you know, I, no, my older sister uh, was in FFA, but uh, our parents were not in FFA. And I think just encouraging uh young adults uh, to find a different, uh, there's a variety of different avenues to be successful in the FFA program. So you don't have to have an ag background. You don't have to have shown livestock. Your parents don't have to know about the ag program um, or about livestock, uh, but there's leadership development opportunities. There's opportunities to do the career development events, and that's everything from meat judging to entomology to floriculture, nursery landscape. So certainly 
a lot of diversity there. And kids who want to do the Parley Pro teams or kids who want a livestock judge, there's really a place for any student to be successful in the FFA program. And I think the things that those students take away uh, from the program help them to be successful, certainly in high school, but also in college and later on in life. There's no uh, one set mold for what an FFA member needs to look like or for what their background needs to be. And I think we've got, certainly here in Oklahoma and across the United States, uh, diversity of membership in um, all ways, uh, but they all find something that they're passionate about in the FFA program, and they've got great ag teachers uh, that help to get them in a lane where they can be successful and get uh, certainly scholarship opportunities and ways to get headed to college. So no matter your background, uh, there's a place for you in the FFA program, and I think we've got a lot of ag teachers that do a great job at uh, recruiting those uh, both ag and non-traditional uh, ag folks um, into their classroom and turning them into some great kids. Oh, yeah, that's that's a great point. Typically, everybody thinks they got to take a piece of livestock to be an FFA. That's, that's not true at all. Um, so, yes, there's so many opportunities in FFA and really 4-H, too, obviously. So, uh, great Great uh, topic of discussion. So, folks, keep those pouring in. We love listening and uh, to your guys' message and reading them. Uh, so keep in your topics from a hat, and obviously we'll get into Social Smash later, but we need more of both. So, Corey, do you want to lead us into the next topic we got there? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so Blaine, you know, what's interesting about technology, which we've had some issues with here on the episode already, um, but, you know, the average age of producers today is, is still fairly high. And, you know, obviously there's starting to be some change in turnover and, and, you know, the younger generations, you know, prepping to take over. But I feel like we're always in this cycle. But with today's modern technology and the way that we utilize it in our industry, um, do you see there being a challenge with some of those older generations trying to really – take hold and learn it, or are you seeing uh, some people really adopting to it well? Well, I think certainly I can speak to what we see here in Oklahoma. The older generations are not as amenable to technology as the younger generations, and I think we'd probably see that across the board in the United States. Uh, the most uh, the greatest implementation of technology that we see here in Oklahoma Ag Operations is when we have younger generations who are becoming part of those operations. And so we've got, um, you know, if it's sons or daughters that have uh, gone to school and come back home to the family operation and they're suddenly saying, hey, did you know uh, that here's an electronic way uh, to record all of these records um, from maybe from a livestock side or, you know, GPS systems and uh, tractors or we have lots of artificial intelligence uh, stuff that's coming down the line that's going to make all of our jobs a lot different. But I feel like we've got it's the, the greatest success we have is when we have those younger generations kind of bridging the gap uh, with the older generations about the technology because uh, we certainly, at least here in Oklahoma, have a lot of producers who, you know, this is the way that I've done it for the past uh, 40, 50 years, uh, and I don't see any reason for changing, um, and that's the way that it's going to be. So we, we have success here in Oklahoma when we have uh, younger generations taking that home 
uh, to the farm. And uh, I think as to get the older generations to really employ those new technologies, they've got to see where the profitability is. Uh, when they see the profitability, I think that helps uh, encourage them quite a bit. But that's, that's the big piece for them is if I've got to do something differently, if I've got to learn how to utilize it, um, I want it uh, to make me money, basically, um, understandably. Right. So, so that when they see the profitability piece, I think that helps significantly as well. Oh, there's no doubt. There you go, folks. If you want to, if you want to start an ET program and get, get the old grandma and grandpa on board, um, just show, show them that you're going to make more, better, faster. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Blaine, another thing that's kind of uh, funny to admit, though, I when I have an interview uh, that I'm getting ready for for this show, I always try to jump online and, and kind of uh, see what, what they're doing in the industry and just get to, get to know them a little better. Well, in preparation for this interview, I jumped on Facebook, of course, uh, that's the easiest way to find information nowadays. So I was really intrigued by a post that you had that I would love for you to expand on uh, with some parents. And I'll kind of paraphrase uh, this Facebook post that, that you posted. But you, you posted on there. I know that some, uh, as a parent, are guilty by to fix the world that we the, the world that our kids live in. It's hard to sometimes step back and let the kids do things themselves themselves especially in a barn like saddle up your horse it's easier if i do it uh, but your your daughter there taught you a lesson and said mom if i don't learn how am i going to know when you're not here and you said i believe a huge part of my job as a parent is to raise an independent child and to be successful in today's world so again paraphrase there but i would love to expand on that post a little bit for for the parents that may be listening uh certainly um and I will say I, I do think um, my biggest job as parents and my husband and I's biggest job as parents is to have our kids ready uh, to enter into the uh, world and to be contributing members of society. And I think a lot of times, um, and maybe I notice it now uh, since our kids are showing, and, and I'm certainly very guilty of this if it's at the horse barn or at the cattle barn, uh, you know, it's a lot easier for me just to go in and throw a halter on the heifer and drive her to the wash rack instead of patiently wait, uh, you know, while one of the kids, you know, goes and gets the halter off the fence and then they can't, you know, I mean, you're talking, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I think what we have started to see a little bit in the show world is we certainly have animals that um, are expensive animals and you know, you see maybe mom and dad taking the blower away because, well, you're not blowing their hair quite the right way. Well, the, the whole intent of the program uh, is for these kids to learn how to take care of their projects. And I think on occasion we get so caught up in everything has to be perfectly right and I don't want something messed up and you're blowing their hair backwards um, that we forget to, you know, step back and say, why do I really have my kids showing? You know, what is the purpose mm. of this program? What am I trying to do here? And I and I'm, can certainly be just as guilty um, as anybody else. Um, and then conversely, um, trying to, when things don't go quite right, trying to jump in there and fix it for my kids if I can. I know certainly I learn a whole lot more from things that didn't go right and from the things that do go right. Oh, yeah. Um, we've got got kind of a generation of maybe helicopter moms a little bit uh, that try to put these cushions down for their kids everywhere. Uh, <laughs> helicopter moms. I love that term. And, <laughs> I've and never it, heard it. 
it just it you know it doesn't it does not serve your kids well if you don't let them fail on occasion and and again nobody wants to see their kids fail nobody wants to see their kids get beat whatever the case might be but um you talk about character building um, and in the real life real world uh not everything goes your way in the real world and so um, I, I try to be more cognizant of that, and uh, my youngest, uh, my daughter, she doesn't want help with anything, um, <laughs> so she kind of reminds me of that on a more frequent basis, uh, but I think as parents, we need to make sure that we're making decisions that are going to help our kids be successful adults. I think that's our ultimate goal, is to be uh, making good decisions so that our kids can be successful later on. Oh, no doubt. There's so many more lessons that are learned when you, you don't win a banner than if you do. I mean, there's obviously a lesson to be learned in hard work and grabbing that banner, but boy, I've failed a couple times and I will never forget those moments. So uh, I hope that didn't come off, uh, you know, that's kind of a, a personal post of yours, but my, I think there's a lot of people that needed to hear that and maybe sometime it's easily forgotten. Well, for sure. And I, you know, that's, that's the thing I do love about the show industry is, and we all want to win. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't want to win. You know, I mean, that's, that's what we understand. But, um, you know, sometimes you work harder than the next guy. You're Maybe you, everybody else thinks you have a better animal than the next guy, and you don't win. But that's also real life. Do you know, I mean, that's why I like the show industry, because it's kids learning how to lose and how to win, and that sometimes things just don't roll your way. But you also don't give up and say, well, I'm never going to show again. You, know, you don't just hang your halter right. up and say, that's the end of it. You just go back at it and you find another project and you try to work that much harder. So um, we, I think as parents, if we could have our kids win all the time, you know, wouldn't that be great? Uh, but they, they certainly take a lot more home uh, on the days when they stand third in class than uh, the days that they take home a banner. Right. Well, and I think maybe a spin on that could also be a sentiment to some some of the guys that are out there listening right now that are that are breeders or or um you know jocks or fitters or whatever you know taking the time to teach a kid how to how to fit that show side hind leg i mean i know that you want to do it and you've probably been paid to do it and make it look the best you can but just sitting down and taking the time to teach teach a young person uh you know, even though they may mess up or it may not be perfect uh, the way that you want it to, um, you know, they want to they want to be you someday. There's lots of kids that looked up look up to the people that are washing and blowing calves, uh, or or maybe you know holding a spray bottle or feeding feeding the bears or you know walking the sheep or whatever. And it, I think the sentiment goes not only just for parents but it goes for everybody. You know, like let's let these kids be a little bit more involved. There's there's things and people that that don't do that and, and there's parents that you know it, it's out there it's an, it's not like a glaring issue but you know there, there's folks out there that, that you know have other help to take care of their kids' projects and make sure that they're dialed in and looking right and you know I think it takes some of the fun out for the kids a little bit and doesn't allow them to experience uh, anything other than being on the end of a halter. And so I think allowing people to be more involved that way uh, in the long run is going to help continue the success of our industry. So, 
Oh, I, I absolutely agree and just want to touch on that quickly because I know um, our son, I mean, he loves to fit. Do you know? Because that's, that's what all the cool guys do, right? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it just shows. That's what. And so, uh, you know, he's slowly been able to do some of those things. But we were at a, um, a winter show last year and, you know, little prospect steers and super hairy. And he had a little calf that he was showing that was super, super hairy. And so Jared said, well, yeah, you can do that uh, offside front leg over there. So he just jumps in full bore and, as you know, got his clippers out and one of the kids helping us like looked at me like is that really gonna happen you know like are you really gonna let him do that uh, but you have to you know to your point at some point these kids have got to I mean it's you know they've been working on their projects and certainly we all want the animals to look their very best when they hit the show ring uh, but the, I think there's so much more pride you see the pride in these kids that have, you know, that like to fit and have started being able to fit, that when they are successful, they take a lot more ownership um, in that win when they've had a piece um, of that side of it. And I know we do a um, show cattle camp at our house in the summer for our customers. And uh, when we do uh, kind of a fitting demo and then let the kids fit on their calves, you know, they're you, you can tell some of them that their parents are like cringing over there. Like, I can't believe you all are letting them do that. <laughs> but the kids love it. You know, they're, you know, they're learning how to do a tail ball or, you know, they've wanted to do a hind leg and nobody would ever let them do it at a show because it would get messed up. So that, that I would say is definitely the kids favorite part is when they get to um, jump in and do some fitting practice for sure. Oh, no right. doubt. Right. Uh, personal story. I uh, that there was the opportunity that I had to clip my first pig, and I took it clear down to a quarter of an inch. So the thing looked pretty naked out there. But that 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 was a very important lesson for me. Uh, just make sure you cl- uh, check your guard cover. So there. Uh, personal you story. Turn them loose. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but no, that's that's all awesome, awesome stuff. So another segment for you we call Social Smash. Corey, we have a Sponsor for Social Smash. You know, sometimes if you get a fender bender or bang up your car or smash it, perhaps, there's one place you need to go. Brad Howe Ford in Kokomo, Indiana. Even if it's time to upgrade that diesel truck you've been looking for to pull that nice shiny trailer, Brad Howe Ford is the place to go with award-winning customer service. They will lead you in the right direction on your next vehicle purchase. So, Blaine, what Social Smash is... We just want to know what your biggest pet peeve is on social media, and you can even parlay it into the industry as a whole. Okay. Um, You know, I think there are wonderful things about social media. It's definitely um, a way for us to share our ag life uh, with our non-ag friends. I would say my my biggest pet peeve about it, and it's certainly very industry-specific, is I think... Uh, people have gotten uh, pretty brave about uh, typing things um, on social media about uh, shows or about judges, uh, whatever it might be, that they would you know, certainly never say to someone in person. And yeah. I, I think why that's tough for me is as a parent, you know, if we're, I don't know, pick a big steer show or pick a big heifer show, whatever it is, and, you know, when people get on and, and start making comments and then those threads start, I think that sometimes people forget that that's somebody's kid yeah do you know what I mean it's real easy to say 
well, you know, I don't like the, the people that raised the calf or I don't like the people that got the calf ready or it was, you know, I can't believe the judge picked that one. And I always think, you know, I, I would hope that people would step back and say, what was, how would I feel if that was my kid? How would I feel if somebody, you know, was talking about my kid's animal that way? But I think we, people have just gotten so brave um, to be really highly critical of, um, certainly in the show world, a lot of times it's of young adults um, and their animals. And that's pretty me to see that. Uh, just because it's, you know, because I always think if somebody said that about my kid, it would, well, probably it'd make me really angry to start with, uh, but then more than anything, it, you know, it hurts people's feelings, and I know that sounds yeah. maybe a little too mushy-gushy, but um, we people, I think they forget when they're beating somebody up on a screen that there's really a real person uh, behind that. Yeah, well, that's a good point. Could not agree more. And, uh, you know, we can circle back a little bit to your comment earlier, um, you know, about the, the 2% of our population are responsible for feeding and farming. And so this kind of goes into another kind of question, but it, it definitely circles around social media. Um, and, and so there seems to be obviously that disconnect between producers and consumers. And I would almost argue that there's a little bit of a disconnect between, um, you know, the folks that are breeding these livestock and, and the folks that are uh, looking to maybe buy or attend the show, um, and maybe they don't have direct involvement in, in those situations. And so how do you feel uh, social media is affecting those conversations between producers and consumers? Well, I, I think there's a great opportunity there, and I think those of us in agriculture uh, need to do a much better and just regular job of telling consumers what we do. do that they, I mean, we take for granted that uh, people know um, everything about the livestock sector. Do you know that, that people know uh, why we? Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a specific topic. I think about dehorning. You know, and there's a lot of people. Uh, certainly who are away from ag and think it's horrible, and I think to myself, okay, why why does it not bother me to see a dehorn, or especially like a cosmetic dehorn, right? Why does it not bother me? Well, because I've seen it umpteen times. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's just I'm accustomed to seeing it. And I think in, in so many times consumers just have no frame of reference for a lot of things um, that we do. So if they see somebody at the fair trying to unload off the trailer and the bear is just squealing because we know sometimes hogs can just be challenging, especially if their ears are down and not up. They're a little more difficult to get along yeah. with sometimes. Um, but, you know, if you were just eating your corn dog at the fair and you see some kids trying to scooch their hog off the back of the trailer and it's throwing a fit, you know, people are like, oh my gosh, what are they doing to that animal? Yep. Well, those of us in the ag world were like, oh, they're just, it's a Poland and he doesn't want to come off the trailer, <laughs> right? And yep. we just keep, we keep on cruising. But 
we, I think just regularly sharing, and I need to do that probably even more than I do, that, you know, this is what we do, that we are, we're good stewards of our resources. We are good herdsmen with our livestock. We want to make the very best decisions uh, for those animals and for their health and that we're producing a product that's safe for you and your family to eat. I think, and I think people like that story when we share it with them because it gives them the chance to ask questions. You know, I have lots of people that ask me like, okay, why do your cat, what is the deal with your cat? Why do they look all fluffy and hairy and these don't? Right, which yeah. is just is kind of a basic question, you know, that for yeah. people who aren't. So I think we've got to engage more in a dialogue with people out of our normal ag sector, um, and, and sometimes just a simple post of "We're working cows today," or here's, or or just things that are interesting, like ear notches on pigs. Yeah. You know, I think the general public might think that's kind of interesting. Do you know what I mean? This is how we keep track of them, and this is the value of this one. So there's this wonderful story in ag that I think we can just do um, just sharing what we think are kind of regular daily activities. I think the public likes to see those and learn more about what we do. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, a personal story, uh, Corey, I haven't even told you this yet, but I just judged in New York there uh, this past weekend. And while I was judging uh, a person that you could kind of tell was uneducated about the, the show livestock industry, he came up ringside and said, oh my gosh, this is animal abuse. And what that person uh, saw was a bunch of kids whipping a pig. And I think the the show pig industry, I mean, we have our challenges in every single part of agriculture. Uh, but speaking specifically on the show pig side, they're the most cha- they're the only species that's not led by a halter, and they're they're genetically gifted enough to be able to be driven by a whip. And and that's hard. That's hard to to tell the public, the uneducated public about, you know, show pigs are they know what to do when they're guided by a whip. And and matter of fact, I I tried to get on the mic there right afterwards and and just educate them right then and there and said, hey, these kids are doing a fantastic job. Matter of fact, there's not a whip mark on any single one of these kids as pigs. And they are trained hours and hours every day to do this exact, exact, uh, exact thing. And and I kind of get some laughs on the microphone when I say, look, folks, I haven't had a bath yet today, and I'm sure every single one of these hogs have. So, right. you know, it's it's starting there, and I think it's also important to know, on top of all the things you said, that we can't start the conversation with an argument, although I am the worst at getting pretty defensive about an industry that somebody's trying to attack. But we also have to be careful about listening to their side. And once we understand where they're coming from, we can then engage with that person and take a step back and relax and say, hey, I totally understand where you're coming from. If you didn't understand what we're doing, it looks bad. But here, let me tell you what is actually happening. Um, But boy, that's you said it best. We have to engage more with that kind of uh, group of people. Hey, listen, I took a lot away from that. But I think my biggest takeaway from that is that Blaine just took a gigantic shot at Poland. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get a hold of Max. Look. <laughs> yeah, we've got we got some dedicated Poland breeders that are listening. So we, they may I, 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 I love all, <laughs> all kinds of hogs. We, my son, my son showed hogs before he started showing cattle, and I just quickly learned I was not a hog kid by any stretch. I just learned that that some had more have that more unique personalities than others. I may, maybe should have said that. 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, personalities are as unique as their breeders, so we'll say that. There you go. <laughs> hey, Corey. What? Speaking of Polans, Pol- I have an announcement to make. Oh? There is a brand new pig show coming to Circleville, Ohio on October 12th and October 13th. What good timing. I know. It just it's right around the corner, folks. This deal's going to be huge. If you have not seen the Circleville, well, I guess it's the Pickaway County Fairgrounds, it's brand spanking new. They just built it in June. Absolutely incredible, unlike anything you've ever seen a fairgrounds to die for. Plus, they have an amphitheater. So here's the details, folks. October 12th and October 13th, 2019, in Circleville, Ohio, at the Pickway County Fairgrounds. Make sure you bring your eastern regional pigs. Perfect timing for the North American and Duncan shows. They're going to be money for the overall champions. Two rings, two shows, $30 a head. That ain't nothing. Be at the Midwest Spectacular, October 12th, October 13th, October 12th and October 13th, whatever that was. Circleville, Ohio. Be there. Don't cut that out. (laughs) All right. Well, it's been an incredible show. And, Blaine, we've got one last question for you that we ask everybody. So, uh, before we do that, thanks to Brad Halford for jumping on the the train here with Stock Talk and becoming our, our segment sponsor for social smash um and so now to jump into the final question blaine where do you see the show stock industry in five years well i believe that we are going to continue and and of course i live here in oklahoma and we have an incredibly strong show industry here in the state of oklahoma i think we will continue to see a lot of growth in the industry if we all Uh, make some real good decisions uh, to help support our young adults who want to do that. And by that, I mean finding continued ways for those young adults to participate and be competitive. And that, you know, kind of scrolls back to maybe my comments at the beginning of my experience in the show industry. And I think finding um, a diversity of opportunity for the kids to participate, you know, maybe that's a um, a, a county bred steer program, um, or, or state, you know, state bred steer program that gives a kids um, another avenue aside from uh, just a normal market show that there is, or you know, in any species, certainly not just the cattle species. Um, I, I see a lot more of the fitting contest, um, you know, on the cattle side, but also on the goat side, and we've got great support from the folks like Sullivan's and Weaver to get good prizes for those kids. Uh, the skillathons that we see at a lot of the junior national shows and certainly um, at Pork Expo and the big um, national hog shows as well. I think as a show industry, when we find those areas for those kids to participate in, it's beneficial for all of us. Um, and the, the more scholarship opportunities that there are, uh, the more premium dollars, I think, kind of diversifying the show you know I think everybody wants to go to the show and um, have Grand Barrow or have Grand Steer whatever it might be but there are a lot of other pieces to the show industry that are incredibly valuable for all of us uh, to be creating good kids and and to be helping the industry as a whole and so I, I think we will continue to see growth in the industry as long as we continue to kind of 
um, expand that area of competition for young adults um, and find support for them in those different areas of competition, uh, which I think is important. We need more young people uh, to be in production agriculture, and I believe the um, show avenue is a great way uh, to get kids to want to make that decision. So I think there's great opportunity on the horizon, um, and I know we've got lots of folks in all sectors uh, that are passionate about kids showing, and um, I guess the, I'll, the final comment that I'll end with, which was really an interesting learning opportunity for me, I had a chance to travel to Argentina this summer with a group of Oklahoma State students, and uh, we were there at Palermo and, and watching the cattle show and talking to some of those exhibitors, and I just said, now do you, is this like your open show and do you have any kids showing and uh, the gentleman looked at me and he said uh, cattle showing here is not for kids to run around and have fun this is serious business wow um, which which was just interesting uh, to me because I'm like well then how do you get you know how do you engage this younger demographic in wanting uh, to be cattle producers so I, I I certainly am very proud of what we have here in the United States and the junior show program uh, that we have that is so strong and uh, certainly supportive of all those who invest and certainly a lot invest financially in sponsoring all the shows that we have um, across the United States and the premium money for the kids because um, I think there's nothing better than kids in the United States can do than to show livestock um, because of everything that they learn from that process. Wow. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's eye-opening to be able to jump across the pond there and and see something like that, and then you know you take a you take an advantage every day. You stay in the states, but man, what a what a credible experience that was. So, uh, Blaine, this has been awesome. Uh, we appreciate your your time as always, and uh, we appreciate also the thoughts that you've poured out. And I guarantee you, somebody's listening and has learned a thing or two. So, thanks so much for jumping on. Thank you guys for having me on um, and look forward to seeing you down the road. You betcha. Yeah, next time next time in, I'm in Oklahoma, I, I expect the uh, I expect a tour of the, the office. <laughs> you you can count on that. We'll we'll even try to get you fixed up and go by and say hi to the governor, depending on when you're here. Wow, sounds that, awesome. That'd be cool. Well, folks, thanks for listening and as always, we'd love to hear from you. So continue to send us your messages and your thoughts and suggestions um it's just kind of been a little bit uh, <laughs> eye-opening just to see how many folks that we have impacted and, and our platform has has uh opened up so much dialogue and discussion so we thank you for listening continue us to follow or continue to follow us on social media facebook instagram twitter uh, add us on snapchat uh, we just made that announcement there last week that we're, we're launching our women apparel line um, so we got a couple t-shirt op options there, and then we're going to continue to grow that online market as well uh, with different options for you guys, especially as we creep in the fall. Because let me tell you, this big boy would love to wear a hoodie or a vest or something. We'll let you know when that happens. So uh, continue uh, to follow along. Make sure you check out our website, stocktalk-podcast.com. Uh, and if you'd like to be a Patreon, make sure you jump on that site as well, uh, Uncut. Uh, just real raw, me and Trevor laid back, uh, just talking about some different stuff, uh, not involved with the show uh, that we've got here uh, on your regular Wednesday. So make sure you check out that out as well. And Trevor, I'll let you do what you do. All right, guys. Thanks so much. And we appreciate Blaine as always.
Guys, thanks for listening. This has been another edition of Stock Talk.